Testing one, two, three. Here I go. Give me that microphone. Welcome to the Badass Recovery Podcast. I'm Pamela. And I'm Melissa. And we're here to give you straight talk. Clarity, people. On the big words full of stigma. Addiction, sobriety, recovery, shame, and even the G word. (laughs) Don't worry, we'll ease you into it. We're two badass recovered alcoholics who've truly transformed our lives through the process of recovery. So be prepared for an unfiltered, deep, and powerful journey. We're about to drop some truth bombs here, but you are here to find your freedom from that thing that is keeping you small. Yes. Let's do this. Welcome to your badass recovery. Oh my God, we're here. Episode 10 of this first season. And it's not the end. We know it's just the beginning. And we're so very grateful to you because you decided to keep showing up to get uncomfortable to do the work, to get curious, to rumble in this thing with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Today we have a great finale because we're unpacking a term that has meant so much to each of us, Alyssa and I. We'll be talking about what it is to be a badass, why this word means so much to us. It's just a word, but it carries this gorgeous mix of humility with empowerment, of gratitude, but also pride. We will continue talking about the taboos that we decided to ditch and to own powerfully. And we talk about the invitation, the invitation for you to bring this empowerment into your life. We're not here to tell you how badass we are. We're here to invite you to be your own hero to look at your life with all the good and the bad and say, fuck it, I'm going to transform what is not working so I can truly make this, you know, a masterpiece. That is the journey where you become your own best friend, where you step into your badass. So we're going to break that all down. Like I said, it's not the end. It's the beginning. We hope that you've had a chance to share to subscribe, to stay in touch, but to pass this show on to those who you believe need it. Again, this conversation of addiction and recovery has been so stuck for so long. It is truly up to us to bring this juicy, badass experience, this experience of ownership, of gratitude, and of pride into everyone's lives. And we need your help to do that. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you from Alyssa, from me, from Jason and Anja, who are our other powerful, amazing people who, without their help, it wouldn't be possible for us to be bringing this to you. So we thank them and we thank you. So sit back, enjoy this final, amazing, powerful episode of what the fuck is being a badass in recovery. What are we talking about today, babe? What the fuck is badass? Mm. So that term is like, literally, it just gives me tingles. Mm. Normally, we've been starting this podcast with a definition of each of the term that we unpack, but I don't think we're doing that today, are we? No, we're not fucking doing that today. (laughs) 
Because we decided to give you what that term means to each of us. Yeah. And really break it down for you Mm -hmm. and really use this time to wrap this up so fucking beautifully with Mm. what it means to be a badass. And then really kind of summarize how this journey has been Mm, in totality for us. Yes. Yes, please. Yes. (laughs) Yes, yes. So let me ask you. What does that mean to you then? Yeah. Uh, this whole badass thing, this this badass recovery, being a badass, feeling like a badass. Like, what does that mean for Alyssa? Being a badass means standing and owning my power. There are things in my life that have changed, right, since I started this recovery journey for me in 2015. I have started my own business. I have been in and out of wild love affairs. I have moved to California. I have expanded my community of recovery and really fallen in love with me as this person. And so there's external changes. But internally, what it means for me to be a badass is in the way I talk to myself. Mm. And this is something that in my coaching practice, I talk a lot about, and it's really the language that I use. So the language of accountability and ownership for me is I am. When I'm talking about something I'm really proud of, it's so easy for me to own it, right? Like I would have told you, I received five promotions in three years in my corporate job. I started my own business. I moved to California. Like the way I tell that story is from a place of ownership and accountability. And that is me being a badass. Mm. And so one of the things now that is so clear to me is when I'm also not being a badass, when I start what I would call passively talking about my life. And when I was active, this was everywhere. I would tell you the reason why I didn't have a great relationship was because of him. I would tell you the reason why I couldn't get a job in the area I wanted was because of external circumstances. You mean when you were active in your addiction? Even now, even I catch myself in this all the time. So that's why I want to talk about it because- When I'm in either fear or pride, like I don't want to do something, I flip into this, am I? Am I okay? It's so powerful how something so simple in the way we talk to ourselves can mean so much. Because what I've discovered is that I'm always authoring my life. I'm always writing the story of my life. I'm always in a place of I am. Mm. I'm choosing to be here with you right now, talking to all of these beautiful people. So let me ask you, when you actually do feel like there's fear and you don't have that power and you don't have that like badass feeling to you and, and, and what comes up rather than the I am, it's the am I? Like, what do you do then? How do you flip it? How do you tell me more? So first I have to like recognize fear. And fear for me looks like, am I? It's questioning, 
And it also can look like blaming something for my situation, mm-hmm. making an excuse, self-justification. I, I have that, no idea what that means. Right? I'm kidding. Is I'm that? Kidding. We, we've ah. been talking a lot about that this week. So the flip is to go, I'm scared. I don't want to do that. Why? If I do that and I get hurt, then I could end up alone. It's walking myself through the process to look fear square in the eyes and say, is this what I'm choosing? I'm choosing fear right now. So when we start to talk in the language of I am, when I start using that, no matter what, even if it's I'm scared, I'm sad, I don't want to do that, Pamela. I don't want to talk to people. I don't want to share my story. If it's that, I still now I see if brings us perfectly into honesty. Right. I see what I'm choosing. And that gives me back the power of choice. Right. Owning my choice is everything. And that's what being a badass looks like me today. God, I I love that. I hear the power in your voice and and what is so amazing is that when you start that conversation with yourself, right? Yeah. That's that's so much a part of your recovery. And I know it is such a part of my recovery too, that I used to just react to things like I wasn't having a conversation with myself. I was just having a fight with the world. I was reacting to all the shit that was happening outside, whether it was good or bad. I just saw it through that lens of fear and it was happening to me, not for me. And so I never had access to truly pause Mm. and ask myself, how am I playing a role here? How am I reacting? What part is mine? Mm. Is this a position where I can either flip the narrative and just like you say, author my life, rewrite the story? Or do I release it because it's not mine? That relationship with self is honestly like, such a badass part of where I know you live today and I for sure lived every day too. You really built your whole platform, my badass recovery, based on this concept of badass. What does badass mean for you? And also, I would love for you to speak to why you decided to use this term to be the platform for your coaching business. You know, babe, I was so freaking disempowered. I felt so small after my five-year sobriety, diving back into relapse for two years, feeling the consequences in my life of what that meant, both in an external way, consequences people could see, but also internally, I think that was even louder and uglier because I just was so devastated. So when I came back into recovery and I decided to truly dive back into a framework of recovery through a program, like I've said many times through this podcast, I was for sure that this time I needed to do something different. Mm. And while I knew that for me, the 12 steps were really the only way that I could access something because I, I just I couldn't figure it out. And mm-hmm. so I knew that I needed to stop trying to figure it out mm-hmm. and do something different, you know, in that regard. I chose to work in different areas of my life, bringing in tools and connections and coaching and just kind of shifting completely the script of what this whole process was going to be mm-hmm. to me. 
And so in feeling that lack of power, that, oh my goodness, the stigma, the shame, that's how I went through the world. Like here I was wearing the clothes and the heels and having Mm. this like professional, like I was an executive producer, but Mm. there was nothing badass about the way I felt. Mm -hmm. I honestly felt awful. Mm. So when I started to regain a sense of self, Mm -hmm. a little bit of self-trust, a little bit of self-compassion, a little bit, which is all all of a sudden coming into my life with my recovery, I start to feel good and I start to feel, I guess, really empowered is the word. And I start to realize that I have the chance to give myself permission to own this freaking journey in a Mm. different way. I don't need to do it like this or like that. I don't need to bring a shameful scenario in. I don't need to conform to old narratives that I have. And all of a sudden, man, it was like the standing in Wonder Woman pose, you know, where I'm like, (laughs) okay, hey. This actually can, like, even this terminology can actually make me feel like a fucking warrior, like a survivor, Mm. like a rock star. Mm. And I know it sounds almost arrogant. And I know that I've had a couple of people call me out like, well, this is supposed to be a process of humility. Like, what in the hell? Like, what do you what do you get off like calling yourself a badass? And here's the miracle of it all. When I actually understand the true motive behind and the true nature, and and I know where it sources from, for me, it's absolute and total gratitude. It is powerful and it is pride, but not pride from arrogance, but pride from from 100% gratitude and knowing that I couldn't do this by myself. But my life today is truly the result and a mirror to others of what addiction can actually look like. If you do certain things, if you do the work, if you kind of give in to this whole idea that it can be a transformational, gorgeous human experience. Yeah, I love that. So for you, the way that you understand and embody badass now is in a place of gratitude. Absolutely. Which is the difference between arrogance Mm -hmm. and humility. Arrogance is, I did it. Yeah. This is sourced from self. Yes. I am powerful. That's arrogance to me. Yeah. Humility is saying, I couldn't do it. Yeah. Something bigger than me came into play. I am so grateful to be there. And I'm so grateful to be a partner to that. I'm so grateful to wake up every day with willingness. I'm so grateful to have the tools and use the fucking tools. Yeah. I think this is so important because my relationship to humility and arrogance, humility to me now, I understand it. I used to think that it was about weakness on some level. Like I have to be less than. Right. And actually now I understand it's more about the truth and acceptance of what is. Right. And so for me, Also, it's about owning, I am a miracle. Mm -hmm. I am Mm -hmm. a miracle, Mm -hmm. right? My transformation is miraculous. Right. And so when I talk about it in a place 
that is powerful and accountable, then I'm now owning all of it, the disease and the transformation and the freedom on the other side. And the last thing that I will say is that I heard this. I just want to say this one piece that really resonated for me. It is my responsibility to be happy, joyful, and free because I now have access. Mm -hmm. I have a toolkit. Right. So when I slip into the passive or fear language, I'm not owning how much power I have in the freedom that comes from knowing how to be happy, joyful, and free. Well, I love that you're saying that because you're talking about language to self. And it goes back to that, right? When you're asking me, why did you choose to name your platform My Badass Recovery? Yeah. I feel like that's how I choose to see this process for me. Yeah. And that's how I can powerfully invite other people to start shifting the narrative. Yeah. This whole process that we have been talking about from understanding our problem, which is pretty fucking hopeless, full of stigma, making you feel separated and crappy and like you have a label to all of how this has played out individually for you and for me. It's ultimately about how we choose to see this. Do we choose to see this with smallness and again, shame and stigma and all that crap? Or do we choose, like you say, to speak about it to myself and therefore also in how I present this as my truth to the world in a way that is completely different? And that radical shift is so incredibly powerful. And in that responsibility that you're mentioning, I also have to stay very aware that if I don't do X, Y, Z, and I continue to make that choice every fucking day that I wake up, this thing can become alive very quickly. We talked in recovery about being like returned to a normal place, that normal goes away really fucking fast for me if I don't do my job of my work every day. Well, this brings up for me why coaching, right? Because Mm. here's the deal. We've been talking about 12 steps and we've been talking about programs of recovery and how 12 step really was a solution for our disease. Right. And both of us are coaches. And why even get a coach? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. And like, what even does a coach do? And why are they different from, you know, (laughs) mentors and sponsors? And that was, for me, that was a gray area, by the way. Oh my God, me too. I had no idea. Yeah. So, because we do talk about taking ownership and including other Mm -hmm. stuff in our life. And for me, that other stuff was, oh, I'm going to hire a coach. Yeah. What does a coach do, baby? What is a coach A recovery coach. A recovery coach. So I'll say that this disclaimer I came into the world of coaching as a life coach before Mm -hmm. I was recovered. My lens, my context is about what a life coach does. Right. And a coach is really someone who, number one, helps you create a dream for your life Mm -hmm. that is expanded, that is beyond what your head tells you as possible. Right. And that articulation of what's in your heart that's separate from what's in your head is the first job of a coach to really get you to dream and expand your creativity and imagination for what's possible in your life. Then 
Your coach's job is really responsible for helping you to come up with the right action and be accountable for those actions. So the difference between coaching and 12 Steps is 12 Steps is a program of suggestion and support and guidance as you move through this process in a really beautiful way. Coaching is much more action-directed. Therefore, based on what you say you want, we will come up with a list of actions and I will hold you accountable to those actions. We are producing results together. That's the main difference. Yeah, the way that I experienced it too, babe, it's, it's there were two completely different monsters that work together. And I, I say monsters just because, you know, these big, amazing, like, things that came into play. Right. For me, the 12 steps really are about connection to a higher power that, as I said, could do what I, I couldn't do for myself, right? It was like, these are the instructions to get on the plane that's going to get you to the other side of this mountain because that's where life is. Right here, there's only darkness. And a coach basically said, yes, that and let's create that dream that you're talking about. Let's create that accountability. And that had to do with my relationships at home, with the relationship with my body, with the narrative in my head. That whole thing of I am was brought into play so powerfully for me through Elizabeth, my own coach, because I hired a coach before I became a coach. And I fell in love with the incredible way that, that she was shifting the narrative. You just talked about a dream. And let me be clear here. When I was in my active addiction, and even when I wasn't, even when I was already not, not drinking, but my mentality was still the mentality of someone who was in victimhood in lack, in the old telenovela victim narrative, right? Yes. The telenovela. It really was my coach who invited me to create that concept of the I am. Yeah. And I was so freaking broken, babe. When she asked me, you know, like, like write I am statements or state dreams, like what do you want with your life in any respect, whether that yeah. was my professional my family life, my, you name it. I didn't know. And then I felt like there was something wrong with me. Exactly. The wiring of shame, right? Because if, if recovery was like I was recovering who I was before my addiction kicked in, I felt, well, I should recover who I was. Well, guess what? I didn't know who I was because I dove into addiction really from like 13. And so I actually had to discover those things rather yes. than recover them. I mean, it sounds really like, oh, recover and discover. But dude, that was so right and for, for my life. And it was my coach who empowered me to, you know, do this. And that's an important point I want to speak to, that a good coach is going to get you to start using the muscle of the language of your heart. When I have somebody come in to coach with me, when I ask them what their dream is, they tell me what they don't want. <laughs> that is the way that we dream because 80% of an average person, not an addict, thinks negative thoughts. Yeah, wow. This is how we're wired. So it's not just people who have addiction, it's everybody. That's so what true, though, because they'll say, I don't want to drink. Exactly. So what happens, right, what we do is you get out all of the things you don't want. And then what a coach does is separate 
the voice of your higher self, which is your heart, your soul, your love, your care, what you really are truly here for from the voice of your lower self, which is the fear, the traits, the stigma, all the disease, all of what we've been talking about, it becomes really crystal clear the difference. And then you can start to put people in the right actions that create that alignment that we talked about yesterday with ownership and start to practice what we call personal integrity, which is acting in alignment with what we do want, not what we don't want. And it becomes really clear that way. I love that because even when you're talking about this, I'm feeling like literally in my body, like I tingle. And I tingle with that possibility. I yes. tingle because I'm like, oh, and again, that's, that's the badass, right? And put a mirror, babe, up to so many decades mm-hmm. of our lives yeah. where we spent feeling completely disempowered, right? Because again, my dream was to be able to get out of bed, pick something to wear and get to work. That was as far as I could dream when I was in active addiction. Like that was asking the world of me. For me to not have a drink that day was basically the biggest that I could aim for when I was trying to get out. So when you come into somebody's life and their life is, you know, in that place and someone says, dream big, let's set goals. And you're like, I just want to punch you. Like literally, I just want to punch you right now. And that's the thing, right? That transition, because little by little, as you start to take one tiny little action for that one day, that one day where you use that window of grace, where you start to have a conversation with yourself, where you start to get curious, you know, what does that look like for me? And by that little one action, you start to shift the narrative for you. And you do that every day, one fucking day at a time. Guess what? you start to open that place of opportunity. And then you can start to say, for me, my recovery is going to start here. And maybe that's going to a program. Maybe it isn't. Maybe it's just that day. Maybe it's to listen to a good podcast and take a fucking nap. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that day it's to call someone and, and be accountable and say, dude, I'm struggling with this. It doesn't have to look this or that. But when you do start to take that action, then all of a sudden, really new, powerful things can come into your life. You buy the coaching course, you hire the coach, you go to that yoga class, you bring in whatever it is that can start your own process of healing. I love that. It's so true that this dreaming process and this process of choosing these new actions is such an evolutionary process Mm. because I remember the first dream I ever wrote about my career was really as lame as I want my boss to come into my cubicle and communicate with me. (laughs) It was like, I can't even tell you. It was like, I just want him to talk to me. And I call it lame because now where I've owned my own business, I've left any type of a structure. I'm like, have consistent client base. I have this like, beautiful, growing, flourishing job I love. That evolutionary process to go from being the girl who wanted her boss to talk to her in the next cubicle over to dreaming about my own practice. Mm -hmm. And now the next iteration of that 
the only way I could dream bigger was by starting where I was. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the point I just wanted to make for everybody that it's an evolutionary process. It is an evolutionary process of patience, self-compassion, at least for me, of how you give yourself permission every day. You help get people from that place where they don't have that dream clear. They don't really understand where they're going. Like a little bit of that place that I'm describing where you're like, if I can only wake up, right? So so how does that work? What happens with you? They hire you and what happens next? Yeah. So when someone comes to work with me, first of all, I set them up with the what I call textbook, which is an online self-study course that I use called Inner You. And that contains 12 modules of the inner you handout method. And this has been the premise of my coaching work for the past 10 years. The handout method is taught in over 35 universities and educational facilities around the world. So this is something that is structured. But what I really do when someone comes in is we really have a conversation And the conversation is, okay, if there is one or two things that you could do in this year that you really deeply care about, what would they be? Mm. And from that place, we start the process of dreaming and learn how to dream. Like I said, people come in with knowing what they don't want, not what they do want. So really getting people, and it's in there, right? But the problem is we've been listening to our head for so long, we haven't been listening to our heart. We haven't been listening to what we care about. And so what I do is really get people clear about what that is and articulate it and on paper. And then what I do is really start to identify the obstacles in their mind. Mm. All of Mm, the different mm, mm. ways that we talk to ourselves that are inconsistent with what we want. And there are plentiful. Oh, yes, ma'am. Oh, yes. That's awesome. And then we design a structure of accountability so that it's very clear they're doing specific actions that align with the dream. And to be clear, I have the experience of being an addict and an alcoholic. So for me, I cannot make promises around alcohol because I will not fucking keep them. Yeah. So my promises are in getting the solution for alcoholism is in being connected to my recovery process. Mm. It's really actually simple. Just like you know that you brush your teeth in the morning, you shower, you do your makeup, and that's how physically you take care of yourself to look good. Emotionally, we need to do certain things every day to emotionally and mentally be in our right sane frame of mind. Mm. And that's what I get really clear about the individual because it's different for everybody. And we go through the process together. I love it. I think that coaching is so incredibly powerful because like you said, it helps us get past those ideas that keep us in a place of smallness, right? That just kind of keep us stuck. I'm so impressed by the framework that you do one-on-one and that's super powerful and I love that option. For me, the way that I do that is I do it through online courses. And the reason why I chose this was because I found myself to be so lost at the beginning that to start 
to put those narratives away, to put them on a shelf, to kind of get myself out of my own way was what truly gave me permission to start to look at this process from an empowering, I'm the author, I can build this in whatever way I want type of thing. And I felt that creating a course, actually a bunch of courses, because I have several, is truly meant to get people to have some clarity. For me, the hardest part was to, you know, answer this question. Am I an alcoholic? Am I not an alcoholic? And if I am here or if I am there, what does this mean? Okay, now I have this information. And then, of course, I had all this source of inspiration from the outside, right? But inspiration wasn't actually moving the needle for me. Mm. So once I have the information and the inspiration, the big question for me was, what do I do next? And so I lay it all out in the courses. I have meditation, coaching meditation course that also is how do you start your first 30 days as you move into a place of sobriety? Because here's the deal, all those questions of how do I navigate a whole day without this craving taking over? Right. How do I show up to my first social engagement? Mm. How do I shift that kind of feeling that I get in the middle of the day when I'm going to the grocery store? Well, guess what? I used to associate that with drinking. There is a path that neurologically was already marked in my head, right? Now I have to look at it in order to shift it. So I talk about all of those little like tools that come to play when we begin this path. And so back to what you said, man, to teach a framework, but never losing the fact that our mind and our heart has been in those places. Mm -hmm. That's where the badass comes in. That's Mm -hmm. where we can create a connection. I know that if I can do it, anyone can do it. Mm, I love those offerings. Oh my God, so fucking clear how you just laid that out. Well, I am more than anything, babe, grateful that we have a chance to do this thing individually. There's no right or wrong. Yeah. There's no recovery looks like this. Yeah. Recovery looks like that. The labels of addiction are these And these are good and these are bad. We are busting everything. We're dropping all the shame and we're just giving ourselves permission to do it differently. Woo! Well, I think we covered being a badass. I know we did. And this podcast was such a badass, empowering experience because it did not start there. It did not start (laughs) feeling powerful. It started being full of words and goals. And frameworks is the first time we do it. And we got together in a room with our best intentions and our high-level thinking, and we, we were floundering a mm-hmm. little bit. So this whole journey, in fact, has become this freaking gorgeous journey of its own. And as we wrap up, I want to ask you a little bit, what was your experience in doing this? Oh, my God. Exactly what you described. It started with an idea. And then it gets into the messiness of, well, what does that look like? How is it getting it down on paper? When I arrived, we had all of this passion, but we didn't have a structure yet. So those first steps, the first day of just being in a room, staring at each other, two girls who are 
both so powerful and so caring and so passionate and what we want to bring to the table and how the fuck are we going to dance together? Yes, Because we both have shit to say Mm. and it's awkward and it's uncomfortable and we rumble at times and then it's just like creates these beautiful entryways to have these deeper conversations that really get to the heart of what the fuck we really mean, which is exactly what we started this journey to do. Take these big concepts and break them into simple, concrete ways of understanding ourselves. And we've been doing that all week. I think that the badass for me, babe, came in the fact that we felt uncomfortable But we've had the honesty and the bravery and the badassery, because that's a verb. But we're in badassery and saying, all right, this is uncomfortable. We're going to talk about it. This is the energy that I'm feeling. How do we get past it? And that's the whole thing, right? When you take the step of leaping, looking at your discomfort, and then getting out of that place into a spot where you get a chance to recreate, to recreate that vibe, that energy, and really into something bigger, which is what we're doing. I love the definition of intimacy, which is into me, you see. Oh, you're killing me with that one. Yes. For me, this journey has been about that. It's been about, yes, there's like all these pieces, all this beautiful work we've laid out for you all in the past 10 episodes. Mm -hmm. And This whole experience has just been such a miracle for me. And I'm so grateful for your open, loving, willing heart to be in this ride with me. Same, babe. I think that everything that you said is exactly what I experienced. I'm grateful for your openness. I'm grateful for the fact that we both were willing to get uncomfortable and grow. And I think I'm hoping that our listeners will look at this process as all the processes that, that happen in life. You arrive with a certain expectation to do a certain thing, whether that's a job or a relationship or even this process of recovery, right? And even this process of re-engaging with life in a different way as individuals, as who they are. And knowing that they can have an idea of what it's going to be like. But then as you start to experience and as you start to step into that discomfort and that, oh my God, this is hard. Oh my God. Because we could have easily said, this is hard and then reverted back to our natural instinct, which is we're just going to, you know, either cater to the other, you know, I want to make sure you're okay because codependency, or I'm going to go into defense mode because when life attacks, I attack back, right? Mm -hmm. And that was also an option. Or we're just going to stay small and not speak up and and not dive into that place of bravery and badassery. See, I used that. (laughs) Yes, I did that. And we chose not to. Mm -hmm. So listen, life is hard. Processes are hard. For me, leaving my addiction and entering recovery powerfully was hard. And that doesn't mean that it's not available. That doesn't mean that it's not simply done one day at a time. For me, that's the key. And I think that's very similar to this process. It ended up being a process of joy and growth and freedom and just plain old badass. Thank you, guys. We cannot wait to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, please go back 
if you haven't heard the others and listen. Mm. Please also rate, subscribe, and share this episode. Share it, show up, and let us know. Don't forget to visit our page. We're loving the idea of you being part of this conversation and changing the face of addiction and recovery. The page is mybadassrecovery.com slash podcast. Boom. Boom. I love you. I love you too. And we love you guys. Thank you so much. See you soon. Give me that microphone.